Welcome to Women Inseparable with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. Our study this season is titled Jesus and Me Today. We know Jesus is coming back. With that in mind, what does your today look like? Here's Jacqueline. All right, let's, um, let's read scripture. Can I do that? Just jump right in. We're going to read a little psalm, Psalm 126. This week in our Jesus and Me Today study, we are focusing on reaping and joy. Reaping and joy. Last week we talked about using our gifts. And my charge, I guess, for this study specifically today is to lay down your gift. Lay it down and let your first fruits, that gift, be what you reap in joy. You can't reap in joy unless you lay down your first fruits. And those first fruits could be just the smallest amount. Lay that down so that you can reap in joy. Here's what Psalms 126 says. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Oh, the Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy. With him, he's bringing his sheaves. Heavenly Father, Lord, I have a feeling that right now as we open in prayer, as we read Psalm 126 together, I have a feeling that there's a person on our heart, that there's a name of somebody we know that we feel like every time we think of them, every time we pray for them, every time we're around them, we just want to throw your seed of salvation upon them so that we could reap in joy over their salvation. Lord, it's not us that can drag our person to heaven, but it's us that you've entrusted us with the seed of the gospel, of the truth, of the way, and of life. I pray that you'll help us to remain faithful in bearing the seed. Help us to remain faithful in allowing you to produce the fruit, oh, that we won't rush the process. I do pray right now for that person. I pray that each and every one of us will say that person's name even on our tongue right now, that we may lay that person before your throne, that we pray salvation upon them, whether it be a parent, a grandparent, a daughter-in-law, a mother-in-law, our child, our friend, our coworker, whether it be our president, our senator, our mayor, our city councilman, Lord Jesus, salvation is in your hands and it's a free gift. Always and every day, it's a free gift. Fill our hands, Lord God, with your seed. Thank you for trusting us with it. I pray that you'll help us to prove ourselves faithful. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, amen. I knew we were gonna open in Isaiah 55 today. And don't you like when I know things? <laughs> because we're not gonna do Isaiah 55 today. We did Psalm 126 instead, and that's a beautiful psalm. I wonder how many of us read that psalm and had questions. Did anybody have a question in your mind? 
Don't doubt your question. Don't think the question wasn't big enough. It wasn't good enough. It wasn't smart enough. Did you have a question in your mind when you read Psalm 126? Will you take a minute and write down that question somewhere? Write down your question. Great way to start your study this upcoming week. What's your question for Psalm 126? You might not get your answer right now because we're not going to dissect Psalm 126, so you're welcome. However, you're going to meet with the Lord sometime this week. Sometime this week, you will open your Bible. We're Bible students, aren't we? When that day comes, when that time comes, when that hour comes, when you find yourself in the presence of your king and your Bible is open before the Lord and you read Psalm 126 out loud before your king, throw your question at the Lord and sit there in silence and spend some time with God over that question. Find your answer. Find your answer in the Holy Spirit. Find your answer in Scripture. Find your answer with God. If at that time you still have a hard time finding your answer, contact a friend. And so I've got a question. I had this happen uh, yesterday. A good friend of mine, she's part of Women Inseparable. She does our Zoom team. Our Zoom team is amazing, by the way. They meet every week, Bible study, doing what we're doing, but on Zoom every single week. And one of the leaders of our Zoom team contacted me yesterday and said, I know this is last minute, but we, can we get together? I have a question about 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. <laughs> on it. So we spent an hour at a little coffee shop called Deja Brew in downtown Meridian. I'm there sometimes, all the time. It's my little mini office away from home. Uh, so Jen and I were together and we spent one solid hour sitting across the table in a coffee shop with our Bibles open, studying three chapters of scripture. That was amazing. All because somebody had a question, asked somebody else for an answer, we got together and had a Bible study. It was beautiful. Do that. You have a question? Find a friend. And whether the two of you guys know the answer or not, she had a question. I didn't know the answer. So you know what we did? We read three solid chapters and found our answer in prayer and scripture study. It was a cool, cool moment. It was growth for Jen. It was growth for me. It was, it was good. Do that over Psalm 126 or whatever passage it is that you've got a question for. Today, however, we're going to do a book study. We don't do book studies often in Women Inseparable. Um, I guess that's a lie because we did 12 weeks of a book study on Colossians. So ignore me on that. We do book <laughs> studies in Women Inseparable. Today we're going to cover the book of Jude. One chapter, couple of verses, and most likely those of us that have read Jude tend to think Jude and we think one verse. Is there a verse that pops into your head every time you think of Jude? possibly this one. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his Lord with great joy, to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. A lot of times when we think of Jude, we think of that promise that God will provide. God is with us, and we cling to the power of verse 24 and the power of verse 25. That's good. Do that. But may I encourage us to start at Jude 1, verse 1 today, and read that whole letter. There, can I ask this? Did anybody read Jude before today? 
in the booklet it said to to spend time in Jude if you're going through the booklet. I have a lot of head nods, a lot of smiles, and a lot of questions on our faces. When you read Jude a time or two before today, did you get stuck or confused or uncertain about something? That's a heavy book. Jude is a heavy book. It's a little letter that has more scripture references than I think any other letter written in scripture, the personal letters. He was like scripture the entire time through this. Where he doesn't give where it is. He just says, you know this, you know this, you know this, you know this. Because he knows his audience. His audience were the Jewish students of the day. Those that knew Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those who knew the ancient literature of the day that supported Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They knew their scripture. They knew it. And Jude knew that they knew it. So he spoke very intellectually to them, knowing that he wasn't talking over their head. He was talking straight to their heart. Powerful. So for those of us that are not versed in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, those that don't have those five books memorized, Anyone else sitting up here? (laughs) Um, I used a resource called the Bible Project. Cool resource. They do drawings and depict books and studies uh, throughout the Bible. And it's online, the Bible Project. I would use their Jude video. And on that video, they use all the scripture references. So... I did a homework assignment for me, sharing it with you guys to show how easy it is to study scripture. And here's a tool, the Bible Project. With that, there's this paper. You can slip it into your booklet if you want. Not now, because it might be chaotic. This is, if you remember, a lot of us did Colossians study together. We did a reading log for Colossians 4. Mm -hmm. This is very similar. So if you have a question as you read through Jude and say, I don't know what the story of Cain is, and I don't know who Korah is. I don't know what's happening in the wilderness. What is this reference about the, the waterless clouds? Like, what is that? The scripture reference is all on this paper to help you. Do you have to use this paper? Never. If you want to use this paper, even just one reference to deepen a question and find an answer that you have, then this, it's yours. There, Jude 1. We'll start at the beginning. It says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Beautiful introduction. Jude could have said, I am Jude, the brother of Jesus Christ. That's what Jude could say. He grew up with an older brother named Jesus. This is Jude. Jude grew up had no belief that his brother Jesus was the Son of God. When Jesus was walking around on earth and disciples were following and disciples were believing and the multitude was growing, his brother Jude made fun of it, stayed on the outside of it. Have you ever had a sibling not know Jesus Christ? Jesus had that sibling also. That's Jude. Interesting. Jude claims himself not as the brother of Jesus Christ. However, he claims himself as a servant of Jesus Christ, which means when Jesus rose from the dead, when Jesus ascended to heaven, Jude said, 
I believe. I believe, I know the voice of my Savior, I follow him, he is mine, I am his. I am a servant to Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? That's Jude. Jude also identifies himself as the brother of James. James is right there with Jude. Had an older brother named Jesus, did not believe in Jesus, did not become a disciple until after Jesus Christ, the Son of God, rose again, after he ascended back to heaven, then James is like, I believe. And not only do I believe, but I am going to now become the pastor of Jerusalem. And it wasn't a haughty thing. He had no idea. It's the way the Lord gave him the gift that he needed to become the man that he was called to be for that time where he was as he was. That's Jude and James. So Jude stood next to his brother and said, that's my, that's my brother. Together we're servants to Jesus Christ. It's a cool introduction. This letter was written to who? Verse 1 answers that question. To those who are called. I love that. As a New Testament believer, as a 2022 believer, I love that. I love that it's not specific to a specific city, but it's to those who are called, because that includes me. So I can read this and I can take it personal, and I'm thankful for that. To those who are called, to those who are beloved in God, God the Father, and to those who are kept for, or some of our scriptures say, by Jesus Christ. Is that you? Do you know God the Father? Do you know God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ? Are you a Jude and James over here that don't believe? Or are you over here with Jude and James after seeing Jesus Christ rise from the dead, ascending to heaven, and you say, I believe? Who are you? My prayer is that you're over here, that you know Jesus as your Savior. If not, today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Isn't that beautiful? His salvation is never closed. Verse 2, he gives a sweet word, and he says, May mercy and peace and love be multiplied to who? To you. to you. May this letter be personal to us as we read through. He continues on. He says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, that was his point of this letter. He was eager to just proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. However, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. It's a change of voice, isn't there? This is all about Jesus, all about Jesus, all about Jesus. And I want to talk to you all about Jesus. But there's an issue that's boiling inside of my soul and I have to pour these words out to you. And there's a change of voice. It says, for certain people... For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Fascinating sentence. For certain people have crept into the fold of God, into the family of God. They've crept in unnoticed as if they were pretending to be part of the body of God who were talked about long ago in Scripture that were designated for this exact condemnation. They're ungodly people. It's a pointed sentence. Mm -hmm. They are those who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality. 
They are people who pervert the grace of our God and deny our only master, and they deny our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see his passion here? We were talking about judgment last week, the week before, and saying that judgment is not a bad thing. Do you see the judgment that's happening here? Mm -hmm. Judah's standing up. You could picture like a sword next to him. You see his posture, and he sees the flock of God, and he says there are people that are coming in that are wanting to steal and kill and destroy, and they're pretending to be one of you. And you can feel his power, and you can feel his passion. And he says, it's gross. And he goes on more. Remember the audience. The audience is you. Do you think this is applicable to you and me today? Yeah. This letter is timeless. It really is timeless. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the sweet grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, there's a sentence that makes our head go where? Any scripture come to your head at that point? If a scripture comes to your head, write that down. It may be on your cheat sheet. It may not be. Add scripture. Anytime you're hearing the word of God being preached, whether it's from a pulpit, whether it's from a radio, whether it's from a TV, if scripture does not come through your head as you're listening to somebody proclaim the word of God, I advise you turn it off. Because preaching and teaching of the word of God should always make you think of the word of God. Is that fair to say? If somebody is giving you advice scripturally, doctrinally, biblically, and it does not bring you back to the word of God, then you need to study Jude with that one person in mind. A speaker of the word of God ought always make your head filled with the word of God. I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels, see if this scripture comes to your mind. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but those angels left their proper dwelling. Does that break your heart? He has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. God knows the heart of his people. He knew the heart of the people of Israel. He knew the heart of his angels. And it says, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and all the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. God knows the heart of a person. He knows the heart of a people. And he condemns a heart that is far from him. And remember our entry sentence to this group of people. He says there are some people that have crept in unnoticed. And then he gives this example, these three examples. People come into our body of Christ and they come in and they look the part. But their heart has no knowledge of God, has no desire 
for God, but yet they stand up and they proclaim things by the name of God Almighty, and it's disgusting. Because we, even as students of the Word, will sit there and say, oh, that sounds good. And they deceive even our hearts. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever struggled with that before? Where you listen to somebody and you're like, oh, there's, there's truth there. They used scripture, but there's that something inside of you that just does not sit right. Sweet friend, that is judgment. That is proper, godly judgment. And you have the right to stand and say, stop talking to me. You have no space in here. It's too full of the word of God. Verse 8, he says, yet in like manner. So he's going to give us some more. Do you see how quickly he drops so much scripture? But these students, these first century readers that, that read this, that received this letter, they knew that right away. Oh, I remember memorizing Genesis when I was five. And these passages came to their mind instantly. He gives us some more. Yet in like manner, these people also relying on their, their own dreams. They defile the flesh. They reject authority. They blaspheme the glorious ones. That glorious ones, that's multiple. Those are the sweet voices that proclaim the name of Jesus. And here there are people that are creeping into the body of God, relying on their own dreams, that are defiling the flesh, that are rejecting the authority of Jesus Christ and blaspheming those that are speaking the name of Jesus. Do you see that in our day today? Ever. Always. It's sick. And then there's an interesting story. And I'm curious how many of us read this 20 times and had a question every time. It says, but when the archangel Michael contending with the devil, right then and there, my question was, wait, what? I don't know that story. I didn't see this story on the flannel graph board when I was a Sunday school student. Anybody else grew up with the flannel graph board? I loved the flannel graph board. <laughs> Visual learner, did good in my head. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment. But instead he said, the Lord rebuke you. That story is not in scripture, but it's in quotations. It's in there. What he said was the Lord rebuke you. This came from ancient literature. This was a story written in literature that was supporting the Word of God. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. And it had to have been valid because God had it put into Scripture. There's power there. So you picture the body of Moses when Moses died. Where was he? Scripture comes to our mind, doesn't it? We find ourselves before Israelites enter into their promised land. So there's Scripture reference here. Even though the scripture story itself is not in our Old Testament scripture. There is a conversation that took place over the body of Moses. It's a fascinating story. And it was recorded in an ancient literature called the Testament of Moses. Fascinating. It was beautiful, beautiful knowledge to have. And there could have been a fight that went on between Michael and the devil. But instead, 
Michael just said the Lord rebuke you. Not wasting words on you, just in the name of Jesus Christ, you're out. That's a good answer. Another good answer is off. We have the power to turn off most things that we listen to, don't we? Get a bad podcast, turn it off. Bad news, turn it off. Bad television evangelist, turn it off. Like, but I want to hear good preaching. Then ask your pastor, whoever your pastor may be, do you have any references of whom I should listen to? And then try them out. Don't take one man's word on it, but it's a good source to find a good <clears throat> podcast or a good preacher to listen to. And then listen with discernment. Listen with biblical judgment. And listen with your Bible open. You're like, but I'm driving. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> Verse 10, but these people blaspheme all that they do. Who are these people? These people are those certain people that have crept in, right? This is all defining these people that are creeping in. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand. It's a true sentence. And they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning, unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, exclamation mark. Do you hear Jesus proclaiming woes in the book of Matthew? Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain, scripture, and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error, scripture. That's also found in Revelation 2 that is not on your cheat sheet, but you, if you want to add that. And they're perished in Korah's rebellion, again, scripture. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts. That's a specific terminology for the Old Testament Jewish um, traditions. As they feast with you, again, they've creeped in among you without fear. You ever heard somebody proclaim the Bible or proclaim the name of God and they have no fear of God? It boggles my mind. I heard about this just the other day that somebody uses the name of God to proclaim your future that's going to happen like in the next year. And I heard this and right away I thought of Colossians 3.1 and I thought, but seek the things that are above. Who are you, human, to proclaim the name of God and tell me I'm going to have a car in a year? I don't understand. You're blaspheming the power of God to tell other people that they're going to have this benefit on earth? You're so unbiblical. Don't do that. Oh, I'm standing with Jude on this. <laughs> so irritating. These are hidden reefs at your love feasts. As they feast with you without fear, they are shepherds shepherds. Do you see that gift? We just did our gifts test. These are shepherds that are feeding themselves. And that's all they say, just those three words. They're shepherds that are feeding themselves. What's the job of the shepherd? To feed the sheep. Three times we see Jesus telling Peter that. The job of a shepherd is to feed sheep, and these shepherds are feeding themselves without fear. Do you see the problem here? And they're creeping into the body of Christ. They were doing this in first century. We ought not be surprised that they're doing it in our century. 
but we ought not be part of it. We ought to contend for the faith of our Savior, Jesus Christ. They are waterless clouds. They are swept along by winds. Do you hear reference from James 1? They are fruitless trees in late autumn. Every time I read that, I think of the fig tree that Jesus curses. They are twice dead. They are uprooted. Wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their very own shame. They are wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. That line takes my head to Isaiah 14. It's a heartbreaking, heartbreaking truth that these people take the gifts that were given to them and they twist them and they defile them and they lay them down for their own glory and their own praise and their own dreams, their own accomplishments. It's shameful. Some of them aren't even given gifts from the Spirit. They just are claiming them, pretending, putting them on like an heir to be shown. What is your gift? What is your gift from the Spirit? And how can you use it to contend for this to not happen within your circle? Protect your church. You have a church? Protect your church. How can I use my gift to protect my church from these people creeping in? Be aware. Be awake. Lift up your head. Open your eyes. Pray for your pastor every single day. Pray for those who are in leadership over your church. Show up amongst your women and study the Word of God. Pray together as a group of women. Lay down your gifts, your first fruits before God and let your fruit get louder and bigger and brighter than any of this gross thing that is being brought in. When your light is shining that bright, Satan has no place. He can't even creep in. Shine your light. Mm -hmm. Verse 14. It says, It was also about these that Enoch... The seventh from Adam, and he's mentioned in Genesis 5, side note, and he's mentioned by just one cool sentence. The verse or Enoch was not because he walked with God. Like, I want that on my tombstone. <laughs> Jacqueline was not. She walked with God. Love that. I love that sentence. <laughs> Where am I? It was about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied saying, behold, this is in quotations, mind you, and this is not in Genesis 5, but it's in quotations. So it's quoted from something that is valid to be put in Scripture in the New Testament. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Mm. Powerful sentence. Mm -hmm. So, but I can't be mean to somebody. Why not? <laughs> Sometimes you can. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can say, get behind me, Satan. 
Sometimes you can say the Lord rebuke you. Sometimes you can say you're wrong. You're not speaking the way, the truth, the life. You're not speaking of Jesus Christ, the one who was, who is, the one who is to come. You're not talking about Jesus, the eternal son of God. You have nothing to say. You have that right. Say it. These are grumblers. They're malcontents. They're following their own sinful desires. They are loud-mouthed boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. I really think Jude was not okay with this. <laughs> but you, here we are back to the person who is reading this letter, to the one who is called beloved in God the Father, to the one who is kept by Jesus Christ, you must remember today the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They, the apostles, said to you, and in quotes, it says, in the last time, there will be scoffers. They will be following their own ungodly passions. Jude's quoting the apostles. Scripture come to mind of an apostle in one of the letters that proclaim that there are going to be people that are going to creep into the body of Christ. There's a lot of apostles that proclaim that in the letters of the New Testament. In fact, there is a man named Jesus who proclaimed this in Matthew chapter 7. And the letters that are written to the churches after Jesus ascended again were quoting from what Jesus taught them in Matthew 7. Should we not be the same? Quoting what the apostles quoted that Jesus said? Or we could just memorize Matthew 7 and quote directly from Jesus' words. It's a win-win either way. <laughs> they said to you in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, and we're back to 1 Corinthians 1, the way we started our study. Let no division come among you. Let no division come in. Almost as if we have a right to stand in the doorway. We have a right to call out when there's ungodly division going on. Don't waste the fight on, oh, you have a different color choice. Don't waste your breath on that. But if you see somebody trying to creep into your Bible study room, you see something trying to creep into your church, oh, contend for the faith. Use your gift as it is, where it is. And it's going to look different. For those of us that have the gift of teaching, we have a boldness and we don't care. <laughs> I've called out in my young years. I'm so old now. Laughs, <laughs> those that say you're not old. <clears throat> to some, I'm old. <laughs> I've had confrontations with pastors. I've quoted scripture to pastors. If you see things coming in, call it out. Don't let it creep in. It doesn't matter how old you are. You have the gift of using your tongue, use your tongue. You have a gift of whatever it is, God can use your gift to kick out those that do not belong. But make sure that those that you're kicking out have closed ears. Always start with mercy. Always start with love. Always start with prayer. Always start with Bible study. And if at that point they tell you you have nothing to do with any of this, hmm, <laughs> say, sure, sure I don't. And then do what you need to do. 
Make a phone call, write a letter, stand in the doorway, get on your knees, proclaim with your mouth out loud to the Father, the God of creation. There is evil creeping into this church. And in the name of Jesus, I pray that you will keep your hand around our church. In this day of evil, I pray your hand over our church. That's power. That's power. It is these who cause divisions. It is these who are worldly people. And again, I think of Colossians 3.1. They are devoid of the Spirit, but, but you, but you, beloved, and he takes you back to the introduction to his letter. He reminds you all over again who you are. He says, but you, building yourselves up in the most holy faith. When are you building yourself up? Today. This brings us right back to our passage, Jesus and me today. What are we supposed to do today? This letter is heavy, but today is today. How do we handle it today? You build yourself up in your most holy faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, praying in the Holy Spirit. What do I do today to allow people not to creep into my body of Christ, into my house, into my home, into my heart, into my mind? I pray in the Spirit today. I keep myself in the love of God. Keep yourself there. I wait for the mercy of my Lord Jesus Christ the very one that leads to eternal life. And I have mercy on those who doubt. Oh, there's a lot to do today. Say, oh, I have nothing to do today. Yeah, you do. There's a lot to do today. Have mercy on those who doubt. Micah 6, 8 could be written right there. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Do you see that hands-on? Do you see the weeping that takes place there? You're literally being willing to put your hands in the fire to burn your very flesh to save somebody from the grips of Satan and hell. Those who go forth in weeping will reap in joy, bringing the sheaves with them. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment that is stained by flesh. And then we conclude where we start, and then it says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with such great joy to the only God, to our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, let there be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this letter. Thank you that we get to hold this letter in our hands today. Thank you for the freedom that we get to hold the word of God in our hands. Thank you that we get to take time out of our day to study this very letter that was written to me. I pray right now that you'll open, open my eyes, open each and every one of us, open our eyes, our hearts, our minds, open our hands to where we need to serve. Lord, fill us with your boldness. 
Help us to contend with the gift that you've given to us for the sake of our church, for the sake of the body of Christ. May we grow the body of Christ. May we cast out those that are claiming to be part of us. May we protect, protect our family. Oh, Lord Jesus, in the name of your holy name, we pray protection over our hearts, over our minds, over our marriages, over our children. We pray protection from the evil one, that you will keep them from creeping in, that you'll open our eyes, that we are aware of who they are. Help us to stand in the gap. For you, Lord God, have everything in your hand. And we trust you and hold true to the truth that you are sending your son to come again. Oh, Lord Jesus, come. In the name of Jesus, we pray all these things. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Telegram at WI Online. If you need prayer, contact us at womeninseparable at gmail.com.